the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Today on Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. They watched him grow up. They knew his family. Jesus was so familiar to them that they missed who he really was. You know, we have a saying in the English language, familiarity breeds contempt. And the people of Nazareth were so familiar with some aspects of Jesus. They were familiar with his humanity, but they missed his deity. They knew him as a carpenter, but not as a savior. Am I the only one that's ever been so familiar with a route I drive every day that I actually miss a turn due to daydreaming? I never thought of familiarity as being dangerous before, but it can cost time and energy, maybe even mental and emotional strain. Pastor Dan explains today that the ultimate price tag could be one's own salvation. You see, the people of Nazareth watched Jesus grow up as a small boy. They thought they knew him. Sadly, they were blind to the true nature of Jesus. Friends, don't let this be you. Now here's Pastor Dan in the book of Matthew chapter 13 for today's edition of Ring of Truth. Verse 28, so all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath. And they rose up, and they thrust him out of the city, and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. They're so angry, they're going to throw him off a cliff. And then passing through the midst of them, He he went away. He just leaves. Now, here's the thing. These people are so angry, they drag Jesus to this cliff up up a mountain over a mile away so they can throw him off that cliff. That shows how angry they were. What he said. And so Luke 4 is the first rejection of Jesus by the people of Nazareth. This first rejection was at the very beginning of his ministry. Now turn back with me to Matthew 13. In Matthew 13, Jesus returns to his hometown of Nazareth. If this were a movie, the screen would go black. And the words three years later would come up on the screen. And for three years now, Jesus has been performing miracles that demonstrate he's the Messiah. He's been healing the sick. He's been casting out demons. He's been cleansing lepers, even raising the dead back to life. There's overwhelming proof now that Jesus is indeed the promised Messiah of Israel and the Savior. Now, 
It's amazing to me that Jesus would ever set foot in Nazareth again. After the way they responded to him the last time. Aren't you glad God doesn't give up on us? When we reject him or resist him the first time or the second time or the tenth time. Aren't you glad that God doesn't give us only one chance to accept Christ? Aren't you glad the first time that we resisted the Holy Spirit or rejected the Holy Spirit, God didn't say, well, that's your final answer. I'm never coming back here again. The Bible says God is long suffering with us. The Bible says that God doesn't want anyone to perish in their sins, that his desires that all would be saved and have a relationship with him. This is why Jesus Christ came and died on the cross. He died on the cross for our sins to offer us forgiveness and salvation. And he pursues us and pursues us and pursues us. And he comes to us over and over and over by his Holy Spirit. And he gives us every opportunity to put our faith in Christ and be saved. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 20, Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock, and if anyone opens the door to me, I will come in to him. And Jesus just keeps knocking and knocking and knocking on the door of our heart. And he gives us every opportunity to open our hearts to him. And if we ignore his knocking, he just keeps knocking. If we say, Go away, he just keeps knocking. Because he wants a relationship with us. He wants us to open the door of our heart to him. He wants us to invite him in. He doesn't want anyone to perish in their sins. And so he comes a second time to Nazareth. If it were me, I wouldn't go anywhere near that town of Nazareth. They'll throw you off a cliff there. And now it came to pass, verse 53... When Jesus had finished these parables, he departed from there. Verse 54, when he had come to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue. I sure wouldn't go back to the synagogue. And if they invited me to do the reading and the teaching, no thanks. (laughs) Not after my last experience here. But he taught them in their synagogue so that they were, look what it says, astonished and said, Where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Once again, Jesus taught in the synagogue in Nazareth and the people in attendance that day were astonished at his wisdom and his mighty works. Astonishment is the appropriate response to Jesus. I mean, think about it. Jesus is God incarnate. He came down from heaven. He took on human flesh. He became a man, dwelt among us to reveal himself to mankind and to offer himself as a sacrifice for our sins in our place as our substitute so that we could be reconciled to God and so that we could have the assurance of salvation and the assurance of heaven. That's pretty astonishing. It's pretty astonishing that God would love us so much. That he would leave heaven and come down to this earth and die for us in our place. If you're taking notes, that word astonished there, it literally means to be struck with amazement. To be struck with amazement. The word is used 13 times in the New Testament. 12 of the 13 times describe the response of people to Jesus. Jesus astonished a lot of people with his teachings and with his miracles. For example, when he finished the Sermon on the Mount... And Matthew chapter 7, verse 28, it says, 
And so it was when Jesus had ended these sayings that the people were astonished at his teaching. Mark chapter 1 verse 22 says, And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes who had no authority. And Mark chapter 6 verse 2 it says, And when the Sabbath had come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished saying, where did this man get these things? And what wisdom is this which is given to him that such mighty works are performed by his hand? And Mark chapter 7, verse 37, and they were astonished beyond measure, saying, he has done all things well. He makes both the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Astonished beyond measure. And the people were saying, he does all things well. And the people in the synagogue in Nazareth this day, they asked, where did this man get this wisdom and these mighty works? Verse 55, is this not the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary and his brothers, James, Joseph, Simon, and Judas, and his sisters? Are they not all with us? Where then did this man get all these things? They knew Jesus. They knew him. They knew that Jesus was the carpenter's son. Jesus also followed in Joseph's Joseph's footsteps and became a carpenter himself. The people of Nazareth, they know him. They know his family. The people in the synagogue in Nazareth can list his family members by name. That's how well they know him. By the way, these verses beyond any doubt show that Mary had additional children after she gave birth to Jesus. She did not remain a virgin. Mary had at least six more children after Jesus. I say at least because we don't know for sure how many daughters she had. It says in verse 56, sisters, plural, so it's at least two, but it could be more than two. Jesus could have had five sisters or seven sisters. We don't know. But their line of questioning here, it it, it tells us, that there was nothing extraordinary about the childhood of Jesus. There was nothing about his life growing up in Nazareth that stood out to people or gave any indication that he is the Messiah and the Son of God. They're astonished. They they didn't expect him to be the Messiah. Jesus lived a very ordinary, plain life in Nazareth. And his ordinary life was a fulfillment of prophecy. Isaiah 53, 2 says of Jesus, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. So there was nothing that you could look at. You know, Jesus didn't have like a, a halo or a glow. There was nothing that he did in his childhood that tipped off that, hey, this guy might be the Messiah. Just a very ordinary life. And so the people of Nazareth asked, where then did this man get all these things? They, they knew he didn't get it in Nazareth. They knew he didn't receive any special training or go to like seminary. So where did he get this wisdom and this power to do the miracles? He didn't do miracles like this when he was growing up in Nazareth. He was just an ordinary guy up until the age of 30. Verse 57 says, so they were offended at him. Offended. Now, you, you would think the citizens of Nazareth would be proud to have a hometown kid do so well and hope so many people 
and gain so much notoriety. I like when when I travel and I pass through a small town and a town will put a sign at the entrance to the town telling you the name of a famous person from that town. You know, welcome to our town, the birthplace of so-and-so. And often it's someone I've never heard of before. And you have to Google their name to figure out why they're famous. But that town is proud of that person and proud to be associated with that person. And they want everyone to know that person is from our town. I would think the people of Nazareth would want to be associated with Jesus because of his popularity, but instead they were offended at him. They were offended at him. You're listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City, Maryland. We'll return to the second half of today's message in a moment. But first, here's a word from Pastor Dan. It's my privilege to share the Word of God with you through our radio ministry, Ring of Truth. Thank you for tuning in each day. Hey, I would love to hear from you. Will you take a moment to email me to tell me how these daily studies have ministered to you? I want to hear your story. You can email me through our website at calvaryec.com. That's calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. Now let's join him again for the conclusion of today's edition of Ring of Truth. What about Jesus could have possibly offended them? He's, He's lived a perfect, sinless life. He went around doing good, helping people, healing people, telling people about the kingdom of heaven, how they can have their sins forgiven, how they can be reconciled to God, how they can have the assurance of salvation. What did Jesus do that offended the people of Nazareth? The people of Nazareth were offended because Jesus was so familiar to them. He was familiar to them. They knew him. They watched him grow up. They knew his family. Jesus was so familiar to them that they missed who he really was. You know, we have a saying in the English language, familiarity breeds contempt. And the people of Nazareth were so familiar with some aspects of Jesus. They were familiar with his humanity that they missed his deity. They knew him as a carpenter, but not as a savior. And listen to me, give me your attention. This can be a real danger for someone who grows up in a Christian home, but never commits their life to Christ. They grow up in a Christian home, but they're not born again. They're not saved. They don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus can become so well known. Jesus can become so familiar that you miss who he really is. That he's the Savior, that he's the Lord, that he came and he laid down his life for you. To save you. And I think this is especially true for younger people who grow up in a Christian home, but are not born again. They don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. Younger people can become so familiar with Jesus. And they, you know, they, they come to church every Sunday. They come to church every Thursday. They, they know the Bible stories. They've memorized the verses. They know the songs. They've heard countless sermons. And, and they just kind of gather this information about Jesus. They gather all this experience, all this data, without really knowing him in a personal way. 
And that familiarity with Jesus can actually hinder you from putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Because you know it all. Yeah, I know. I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember we studied that in youth group. Yeah, yeah I've been on mission trips. Yeah, my, my parents, they read their Bible every day. Yeah, my dad is so faithful. My, my mom, she's up at five in the morning praying and reading her Bible. Yeah, we had Christian music on all the time in my house. And it can stumble you. It can stumble a person. And listen, if that describes you, that familiarity with Jesus, it can breed contempt in your heart. And you need to surrender your life to Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ needs to become your own. Your personal savior. It needs, your faith needs to become personal to you, not just Mom and dad bring us to church and I go to youth group and I, you know, I have my devotional in the morning and, I, and I'm, I'm going through this routine and I, I know the Bible stories, I know the verses. I've seen him in concert. And it can be something that's very hard to overcome and actually hinder a person from coming to faith in Christ. Verse 57, again, they were offended at him. But Jesus said, To them, a prophet is not without honor except in his own country and in his own house. A prophet can be accepted everywhere else, but not in his own country, not in his own house, not among his own family. Some of you I know have found this to be true. Some of you may have tried to share Jesus Christ with your family members and they just won't receive it from you. Why not? Familiarity. Your family members know you really well. And they've seen your flaws. They've seen your mistakes. They've seen you at your worst. And you're trying to tell them they need Jesus Christ. That they're not right with God. <laughs> you know, especially if you got saved as an adult. And you've got family. You know, you're telling family members, hey, I know you go to church but you're not born again, you're not right with God, you're not going to heaven. And, and they're thinking, hey, six months ago, you were still going out to bars and sleeping around and doing, all, and now you're telling me I'm not right with God? That I need to get saved? And that being familiar with you can hinder them, keeps them from receiving what you have to say. And that's what happens here with Jesus. This is the carpenter's son. I know his mother. I know his brothers. I know his sisters. And he, he's trying to preach to us. And there's, there's contempt there. They're offended at him. Now, look at verse 58. Now, he did not do many mighty works there. Look what it says. He did not do many mighty works there because of their unbelief. Jesus did not do many miracles in Nazareth because of their unbelief. They limited what Jesus wanted to do by their unbelief. Your unbelief can limit Jesus. He, he may have these things that he wants to do, these mighty works that he wants to do, but your unbelief will prevent him from doing those mighty works. You know, Mark's account of this in Mark chapter 6, it says that Jesus marveled at their unbelief. He marveled. Think about that. The Bible says that Jesus created the heavens and the earth. The stars are his handiwork. That all things were made by Jesus Christ. 
and are held together by Jesus Christ. So what makes Jesus marvel? What makes Jesus say, wow? Well, we're told here that one of the things that he marveled at was the unbelief of the people of Nazareth. The fact that they would reject him made Jesus say, wow. There are only two times in the Gospels that we see Jesus marvel. One of them is here. He marveled at the unbelief of the people of Nazareth. Maybe for some of you, as we've been studying through the Gospel of Matthew, maybe you have found yourself saying, how could they not see that Jesus was their Messiah? And maybe you have marveled that they didn't believe in Jesus Christ, that they rejected him, and you marveled at it. Well, well, Jesus also marveled at their unbelief. The only other time Jesus marveled was at the faith of the Roman centurion in Matthew chapter 8, a Gentile, a pagan, who comes to Jesus Christ because his servant is sick, and when Jesus starts to go to the centurion's home to heal his servant, the centurion told Jesus, Lord, I'm not worthy that you should come under my roof, but only speak a word and my servant will be healed. For I also am a man under authority, having soldiers under me. And I say to this one, go. And he goes and to another, come. And he comes and to my servant, do this. And he does it. So just speak a word and my servant will be healed. And it says when Jesus heard it, he marveled. And he said, I have not found such great faith, not even in Israel, the people who should have faith in me. And here's this guy. He's a Roman. He's a Gentile. He's a pagan. And he says, I know you have authority in your word. And you can just speak a word and it will come to pass. You don't need to come to my house. You don't need to be there. Just say it. And it will be so. And Jesus said, wow. And he marveled at this guy's great faith. And he says, I'm not finding that kind of faith in Israel. The people who should have that kind of faith, I'm not finding it with them. And so the two times we see Jesus marvel, he he marvels at the unbelief of the people of Nazareth. They they reject him. And he marveled marveled at the great faith of the Roman centurion. People of Nazareth, they rejected Jesus again. When he comes to them this second time. And again, Nazareth was just a picture of the response of the nation as a whole. John chapter 1 verse 11 says, Jesus came unto his own and his own received him not. They were offended at him instead of rejoicing that their savior had come. Don't be offended at Jesus. If you're here today, you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ, but you know all this. It's familiar to you. Yeah, I know it. I've heard this sermon before. I've heard that before. I've studied that before. I I know, I know it. Don't let that keep you from coming to Christ. Don't miss who Jesus Christ really is. He came to save you. He came to offer himself as a sacrifice on the cross for your sins. To reconcile you to God. And apart from him, you'll be lost forever. For all eternity. And Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for, for Jesus. We thank you that he keeps knocking on the door of our heart. We thank you that he doesn't give up on us, that he pursues us, and that he desires all men, all people everywhere to be saved. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 
You've been listening to Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton. Pastor Dan has been teaching through the book of Matthew, and he has more to share with you next time. How is what you're hearing from this book landing in your heart? If there's anything that's prompting you to seek out more questions or to ask for prayer in any way, would you be willing to give us a call and talk to us? Our desire is to hear your heart, pray with you, and ask for God to help you with whatever you might be wondering or thinking about. Our number is 410-491-4592. The number again is 410-491-4592. You can also send us an email through our website, calvaryec.com. Just find our info under the About tab. If you're not connected with a local church, we encourage you to find a church family that will help guide and support you in your faith. And if you're in the area, please join us at Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City in Columbia, Maryland. For more details, visit calvaryec.com. In our next edition, you'll have the opportunity to learn additional things from this first book of the New Testament. Pastor Dan has more to teach on for Matthew, and we're excited for you to join us as we continue growing. There's so much to appreciate by reading God's Word. We hope you'll tune in next time and be a part of our listening audience right here on Ring of Truth. I see the signs and I recognize the hands that craft and am what I know because I know His voice and it only takes willingness and a conscious choice. You need not guess there's a ring of truth General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.